Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Wicked Out podcast. I'm here today, Sophie James, with the wonderful Nicole Evan, and we've got a mystery guest in the wings. Um, how was the weekend, Nick? We've launched. It was tiring. It's so, so tiring. I'm knackered, and I'm still going because we've got groomers and locked coming up next week, so there's just no rest for the wicked. So, yeah, we are absolutely running on steam right now, but um, happy to be here, happy to have a little bit of a break from Ryan on a meeting and to be, have a nice little girly catch-up with my main girl. <laughs> there we go. And So, guys, if you already haven't checked out the Whippets new website that launched on Sunday, um, if you go and type into your browser www dot the whippet media.com and that will take you to a very exciting platform nick what's on the platform if you haven't heard already well we've got loads of content creators that are submitting articles um they're, they're so enthusiastic they're submitting articles daily they're just like i've got another idea i've got another idea so there's loads of the, the idea that we wanted was we wanted loads of different voices we wanted everybody's opinion i think that's something that the industry is missing in terms of Everybody has a voice, everybody has an opinion, and we want to make sure that anybody who does have that sort of really strong opinion or really strong view or wants to educate somebody on something that they feel passionately about, that we will take that and run with it for them so that everybody gets the opportunity to have their say and not just sort of somebody who shouts the loudest. So that's, that's the main principle of it. And the voice this month, uh, sorry, not the voice, the, um, the theme of this month is a voice of a changing industry. So it's it really exciting. Some really juicy, gossipy articles and amazing factual articles as well. So there's lots to look at. Um, and on top of that, you can buy the Naked Calendar. You want to see me and Nick in the flesh? In, definitely in the flesh. It leaves little to the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and lots exciting. more of the people as well. It's not just me and Sophie yeah. in the buff. There's uh, another 20, 22 other models that are... No, uh, our, our private Whip It Out one's coming out uh, in, uh, in a few years. You'll just see. Just, just the Whip It Out calendar. <laughs> pictures of mine and Sophie's baps, basically. <laughs> But going back to the website there, so one of our content creators and one of the more successful pieces on the website was an article about holistic grooming. Now it has um, pricked up the ears of many people in the industry. It's a very controversial subject for right or wrong reasons, but here to explain to us um, what she was talking about, why she was talking about it, and to delve a little bit deeper into holistic grooming is Stephanie Zickman. Hi, Steph. Oh, hi. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. So Stephanie's coming to us from Kilmarnock in Scotland and she's 28. She owns Scrubber Dug Dug Dog Grooming and she's an admin for Holistic Grooming for Groomers. How is that going for you? Yeah, so it's going really well. Um, we're up at over 600 members and it's only been, I think, three or four months in the making. So it's, it's picked up quite well. So yeah, happy days. <laughs> Amazing. So how did you get into grooming? And tell us a bit about your backstory, Stephanie. Um, right. So before I was a, a, a dog groomer, I was a disc jockey. Um, so it was very fast paced and obviously uh, full of people and drunk people and whatever. Wasn't making what? me happy. A, a disc a jockey, a DJ. DJ's <laughs> um, in the house. Yeah, so, yeah, it was just always what I kind of wanted to be when I was younger. But I have never um, heard anyone call it a disc jockey. That's what DJ stands for. I had no idea. Yeah, you learn something new every day. 
You sheltered no, life off. Sheltered <laughs> life. Or you, you, you need to hear that this week you were adamant that groomers don't pull hair out of their eyeballs. And what did someone send you this week, Nick? Nothing. Oh, yeah, God. what did someone send you? Nothing. Someone right. sent you. So, so, so Nikki Smith, creative dog groomer, sent me a video of her pulling the world's biggest hair out of her eye, eye socket. <laughs> It was disgusting. Oh we'll put that video up on the Whip It Out Facebook page. Steph, have you ever pulled a massive hair out of your eyeball? Do you know something? When I first started dog grooming, I, I had a launch day and I thought I'll get those Russian eyelashes. And I thought, brilliant. My first couple of days, honest to God, it was horrible. The hair that stuck to those eyelashes, like, oh my <laughs> God. You had to literally comb them out. But yeah, apart from that, no. <laughs> Apart from that, no. It's not off. very glamorous, is it? No, it's um, not. That's the issue. But, Sorry, yeah. back to your story. You were a disc jockey. I'm yeah. I'm going to so use that all the time now. Yeah. Um, no, the thing is, uh, so I've always suffered with depression, um, quite bad anxiety as well. And working as a, a DJ wasn't really helping my anxiety any. So um, I decided to do some soul searching. And this, yeah, the, the kind of idea of dog grooming was born, basically. Um, I had two big dogs at home, two big double-coated Tibetan Mastiffs. And the only time I kind of ever relaxed, really, was when I was brushing to get massive coats and I said passively to my husband one day you know this would be the ideal job and then the penny dropped and I was like hey I actually could do this <laughs> so yeah Amazing. that's how I started so how I started grooming was quite holistic because it was my way of you know healing myself of anxiety so that's why I started using the term holistic it was nothing to do with the approach I was taking but it was more of the approach to myself that I was taking and how I was helping to curb my mental health issue. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Mental health is um, rife, I think, at the moment, and especially oh. in our industry. And mm. I've said recently I'm struggling with it as well. So have you found it helped with your... Yeah, so, I mean, I've, I was off, gosh, I was on antidepressants for, I think, 16 years before wow. I started dog grooming. Um, and then I've been off them now for two years. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you should quit your medication because dogs yeah. heal the world, but for me it was my way of calming down and it really does help me. So I'm just trying to what I'm trying to say is holistic grooming isn't just about dogs, it's about how we, you know, approach ourselves and our own self-care. Yeah. So, yeah. I wonder why. Mm. Like I always wonder whether when it comes to the mental health side of it, because it like Sophie said, it mental health seems to be rife in the grooming industry, bad mm. mental health. And is it one of those, I know, I think um, we touched on it with Jess Adorno, but um, is it something that it's, you get anxiety from grooming or do people go into grooming to lean on the dogs as a, a bit of a crutch or yeah. is it that stressful that it just ruins us all like it's just it's really <laughs> interesting I think that yeah. I mean I guess mental health is is rife everywhere but it just mm -hmm. seems to be like we're getting a lot better in this industry at talking about it and hopefully the calendar mm -hmm. will boost that that up a little bit as well because that's yeah. important I think um but getting back to the holistic grooming stuff so do you want to yeah. just tell us a little bit about what holistic grooming is and then we'll give you a good grilling all right. So for me, holistic grooming isn't just about the approach we take to how we groom. Like I said, it's about how we approach ourselves and our own self-care. Um, but the issue with holistic grooming is it's been named other things as well as you all heard. There's force-free, fear-free, consent-based, restraint-free and all that. For me, that's not what it's about. So 
for holistic dreaming, if you look at it in definition terms, you're, talk, you're talking about the totality of a situation. So what are the causing kind of factors that result in a certain situation? So when you have dogs coming into the grooming environment or displaying behaviours, which we, we call, for example, aggressive, a holistic approach is looking at the cause of that behaviour and finding an alternative way of working with that dog that would perhaps be, um, what's the word, kinder, and it's, you know, in the way of handling. Um, so rather than looking at a restraint, we could maybe look at, you know, what is causing the behaviour. So you're looking at your environment, you're looking at your approach, you're looking at the dog's history as well. So background, um, even, you know, the kind of daily life up until that point so even what's happened in the day up until the point of the grooming appointment things that would maybe um affect the dog's mood for that day so it's it's basically it's everything you're considering everything so do you so do you charge more for that because so i assume big question do you use muzzles do you use belly straps do you use net nooses what what Where's the line? Okay, you? so you can. So a lot of people think holistic grooming means restraint free. All right, so we get a lot of stick for it. I have certainly <laughs> had a lot of stick from it. I have never said that holistic grooming means that you don't use restraints. I've never said that. What I will say is that there's a way to introduce them to the dog that obviously, you know, is. It's breaking the dog down and desensitizing them to using restraints. So I don't use muzzles. I've never needed to. Um, I don't use a neck noose. I used to. Um, I do use a, a belly strap, um, but only when I feel I have to. So it'll be, you know, um, dogs with arthritis, maybe that can't stand properly, elderly dogs that maybe need that extra stability, um, dogs, you know, with... Um, I don't know, some, some form of disability, like three legs or whatever. I do use a belly strap in those instances, or if they're quite big as well, and I can use that as a kind of standing aid. Um, neck nooses, I just, I feel, my personal opinion is that they put too much pressure on the back of the head and can cause discomfort. However, if I wanted to use something else that would do a similar kind of um, job, I would be using a harness, like a T-touch harness, and I would use that to kind of hold the dog in place. Um, but the, the, the thing we need to remember in holistic grooming is that we're observing the dog's behaviours. So when that dog is displaying behaviours that, you know, we maybe deem as being aggressive, we call that threshold in holistic grooming. So we're trying to avoid that from happening by observing subtle cues the dog's giving off and allowing that dog time off the table to calm down before we, we then proceed with the groom again. Um, okay. So do you charge more for being a holistic groomer? It depends on the dog. So, I mean, obviously holistic grooming can be implemented in every dog that comes through the door. Because um, once you have a kind of general understanding of behaviour, it's kind of ingrained in you anyway. Obviously, you're investing more money in learning about it. So you might want to up your prices for that kind of specialised service. For your kind of like extreme cases, yes, I charge more. So these are dogs that are maybe turned down elsewhere that have to be sedated at vets then you are basically the last resort for that guardian, the dog guardian. So they're willing to pay that extra money for you to spend the time to really get, you know, to the cause of that behavior and work with the dog at his own pace. So I noticed that a lot of the time when, especially in the holistic group, and obviously when you and I have spoke, that you, yeah. you, you tend to use the word guardian rather than yeah. owner. Is that yeah. purposeful? 
Yes. So um, I know obviously a lot of people don't like the term pet parent and, you know, so I don't, I don't really particularly like that either, to be fair. I kind of think it's a bit cringy. Um, but guardian, I use the term guardian because we don't own dogs because dogs are individuals and they have their own rights. And that's my belief. Right. They're sentient creatures that we, we should be respecting a lot more than what we do. Generally speaking, humans just, you know, run the world basically. But we are, we're responsible to take care of those dogs. And that's why I use the term guardian. We've basically taken them on as a responsibility to nurture and care for them. So it's not that we own them. And we, you know, it's quite aggressive, that term, I think, that we own something. Whereas if we we're the guardian of something that's a lot more nurturing so that's why I use that I find that really interesting actually like that different term I've never thought of it like that but I have as a mother by accidently said that I'm Ava's owner my daughter instead of her, her parent and that that definitely sounded wrong because I'm used to saying owners for dogs <laughs> so very awkward yeah <laughs> oh well, that yeah. is, that's, just, that's the theory behind it anyway. But that's my opinion, and obviously that's, that's all it is. So is but, there sort of different, I, wanna, I don't want to use the term grading, like different, um, di- let me just try and think about what I want to say. Just, just, just hang with me a second. <laughs> <laughs> like levels of holistic groomers, do some people believe certain things more than others, or are people more... Um, like for example you said you use belly straps mm-hmm. so would you get groomers who don't use anything is it sort of is it a one-size-fits-all type of education or is it sort of it can it can vary and it can differ and people pick parts which they like and which they don't like or is it a generally based sort of subject I think um, it, it is it's it's down to everybody's own preference really I think um in an ideal world in holistic grooming, certainly we would be coming away from the likes of a, a neckness. Um, however, um, I, I've always said if, if that is your choice and if you feel comfortable with using one, then the best you can do then is introduce it the right way and use it the right way as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's everybody's choice whether they use this or that. It's just educating them a wee bit better on how to approach it and how to use it safely. So when it comes to again we're talking about restraints Mm -hmm. would you tend to use um sort of walls or dividers to stop that dog sort of one like if they might want to jump off the table or would you use like sort of walls behind into the side of your table to sort of prevent them from veering off well where my where my table's based in the salon is it's up against the wall but the the front and the back end are clear Um, However, if I'm working with a dog that has very little restraint on, I lower the table down to ground floor level and I have like a wee footstool that I sit on um, and I work at the the dog at that level. Um, There are dogs that I don't use restraints on that can happily stand on a table um, and if they want to, they'll jump off, but the table's at a low enough level that it's safe to do so. Um, In those instances, I I give the dog that choice and that's where the term consent based comes from. So know how there's a lot of um, controversy about that as well. Oh, you can can ask permission and the dog's going to say yes, you know. (laughs) It's not a case of that. It's it's more of observing behaviours, observing subtle cues. And if the dog's showing, if the dog's showing a behaviour that is basically, if he's getting too stressed, you pick up on that, then you give the dog a break that's you giving that dog that choice to get off the table and 
a lot of people think that doing that is going to then lengthen the process. It actually doesn't because you're giving the dog a couple of minutes break to kind of recoup itself and get back to neutral ground. And it's a lot more receptive to get back on again because he knows that, you know, you're going to read his, his, his signals, basically. You're not going to ignore him. You're not going to force him into it. And that's where the term force comes into it too. Um, when we talk about force and people are, you know, have it in their head that you're pinning a dog down on the table, that's not what we're saying either. Um, so it's, I think, I think there's a danger in using the terms force and restraint-free and consent-based because people can take it quite literally and it's not meant to be taken literally. Um, it's just a way of, in behaviour terms, it's a way of how we describe things. But if, if you learn more about it, you would understand what it actually means. So when do you think that a lot of people use the term force-free or fear-free to market that to customers? Do you think it's more of a marketing term? I think force-free is definitely a term used a lot more by guardians. So I think that um, pet owners definitely relate to that term better because it sounds better um, and, and it's kind of easy to understand. Oh, force-free, that sounds really, really good. Like, I want my dog to go there. Um, Fear-free comes from the certification that's online for, for pet professionals. And I think that's where that stemmed from. And again, I, I think people kind of slate that as well. But the, the the facts of that certificate, yes, it's it's a short course, but the information in that course is actually very valuable and it's worth every penny. Um, so that I think is where the term fear-free comes from. And it you, you can never have a, a completely fear-free grooming environment. It's impossible. Um, but we can do what we can based on what we know to make the 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 process as stress-free as stress-free, sorry, as we possibly can. So, so I think, sorry, go on, Sophie. No, go on, if, you, if you've got to speak <laughs> Try and not speak over each other. So I think the, the holistic side of things is something that is being blown up to be something that it's actually not, and that it, it does tend to isolate people unnecessarily, because actually, I think that I would say... A, a, great deal of groomers already groom holistically and just don't even know it and don't yeah. realize that they're adapting that sort of way of grooming but it's just that holistic has given it more of a name and like you said there's a lot of misconceptions out there with people using force free or fear free mm -hmm. when really actually most of us already groom that way would you agree with that or do you think that you know there is a lot to still be learned in the industry I do think there's a lot to be learned in the in industry um, just because there's not much behavior training in our curriculum and that's where it's going wrong so I, I'm not saying that um, groomers or the majority of groomers don't practice holistically in the sense that they want the best for their dogs and they're very canine centered I'm not saying that what I'm saying is if, if there was more kind of information on behavior and safe handling then you know it would just it would enhance the entire experience a whole lot better um, so I think, I think that you've hit the nail on the head there with the training and with qualifications is that not nearly enough is being taught behaviour-wise, in my opinion. I don't mm -hmm. think um, in, you know, I, I, I've always said this from the beginning that 90% of our job, and I always say this to any new person that comes to work for me, who thinks being a dog groomer is just amazing, is that 90% of our job is handling, 10% is the haircut. <laughs> Mm -hmm. If you cannot handle a dog, 
in the correct way are aware that that dog feels safe with you. You're never going to achieve the haircut that you want to achieve or that you, your training gave you that sort of level to achieve. Obviously, mm-hmm. when I was training, we got given loads of really well-behaved dogs that have always been used to being on the table, that are yeah. accustomed to being you know, used with students. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get them to learn how to get them fabulous grooms when you're training I mean obviously they're not as fabulous because she's still a bit shit then (laughs) it's easy to get a way around that but I found as soon as I went out into the real world and I got my first couple of clients I was like whoa yeah yeah. it was just so different when you you're actually in the real world and you get dogs that do have an abundance of issues based for whatever reason they've come and you know the majority of dogs do have something Mm -hmm. that needs to be worked on grooming wise but I, I don't know, I just, I just, everything that's going through my head is this must take you a quite a long time to groom a dog. Does it or does it not? Because nope. does it not? No, no, nope. no. Nope. So, nope. so, so what happens if a dog doesn't want, um, or is being not, not so it's hurting, but say it mm-hmm. just doesn't want its front legs to be done. It's being a fidget and it doesn't want it being done. Will you just not do it or... What do you do? Well, these are a minority of cases as well. If you if you consider how many dogs you get in, so I mean, unless you're specialising in it, you're not dealing with it consistently. But I mean, there are occasions where you will have to send a dog home, um, and I'll admit that. Yeah, I have sent a dog home with three legs done. <laughs> but it's not a common thing, um, and more often than not, just giving them a wee bit of time to chill out. Um, and your grooms could be. I mean, I, I block off two hours for every dog that comes in. Um, and I can t- I tend to be able to do all dogs within 1.5 hours. Um, well, so that's that's like so, kind of the same as a lot of groomers. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm surprised yeah. at that. I thought you were going to yeah. say something like two and a half hours because with all the breaks and stuff. Do you have more than one dog at once? Or? No, no. So I used to ha- I used to accept more than one dog based on the same family. Um, and then I cut that out as well. So I'm, I'm just a one dog at a time person. For example, I have one client right, who, who used to come in and I would never get him done from start to finish. And I had him in for months and months and months. And this was the same story. This was a dog who had to be sedated. He bit everyone. Um, he, bit, you know, he's bit, he's bit his owners. He's bit the vets. So he was getting sedated. So he was a wee shit too. Obviously. <laughs> always, always <laughs> and, um, Yes, uh, and he, you know, and he looks so grumpy. In fact, the funny thing is, his name, his name's my dad's nickname, and my dad's dead grumpy. And I always say, "Oh yeah, it must be, it must be in the name." But um, anyway, him. So he he was coming to me for months, and then one day I, I said to the owner, um, "Why don't we try just having a half hour familiar, familiarization session?" So that's basically just come in and let him chill out and let him just. Do what he wants to do in in the salon, and this is between dogs. I'll do these types of um, appointments. So he, he came, and in that half an hour, he was really, really good. So I thought, right, okay, well, maybe we should try this or that. So I ended up um, scissoring him just with kind of old scissors, but I ended up managing to scissor around his face, and I'd never been able to do that before. Um, so what I said to him after that was like managed to scissor around his face and things let's try every couple of weeks you come in for half an hour and that's now what we do and in that half an hour so what the dog guardian will do is he'll bath him before he comes and then I just scissor him when he gets here and clip him and now that dog's done complete like all year round you know so sometimes it only takes half an hour every two and some people are willing to pay for that 
So I've got him in a rolling contract type thing. So he doesn't pay every two weeks. He pays at the end of the month and it just covers the cost of the full groom. And how much is that for that dog? So he pays £45 a month. For, That's cheap. For half an hour. Well, I'm, I'm pricing it based on where I am. But it's half an hour between dogs oh, every I two you weeks. I going to say something like, a good 80 to 100 pound for you've got to remember that sophie's in south london oh whatever yeah yeah i'm in a wee i'm in a wee town it's not got much money (laughs) (laughs) but um no but i mean if you look at it and if you look at it from how long you're actually spending with that dog so it's half an hour out your day but i mean if you're not specializing in it then these are very minority cases because i mean there'll be somebody around about you guys that probably will specialize and you just send them on if you don't have the time to do it um but there definitely is a market for it um if there is a groomer out there who's listening to what you're saying and they think you know i'd really love to learn a little bit more about this what can they do where can they go who should they ask for help I mean, obviously, first stop would be your group, which is Holistic Grooming for Groomers. You've got a really nice group of people there who yeah. want to give advice and, and help people out. But if they want more of a structured approach, is there a course that they can go on? Or talk to me a little bit about that. Okay, so we're, what I started doing was I have a Tibetan massive at home who had quite aggressive tendencies, which kind of pushed me into behavior so I, I looked up different courses online and I came across um I already said about the Turid Ruggis is that her name Turid Ruggis I can never pronounce mm-hmm. that name talking terms calming signals so that was the first book that I ever read and that changed my whole perception um followed by the ISCP which is the International School of Canine Psychology so that's where I went to start really getting into behavior it's a fantastic network of people and behaviorist trainers, groomers, you name it, are all in there learning about behavior and positive-based methods. So I think a lot of um, the approach to grooming right now is from dominance theory. Um, just things like correction sprays um, that are recommended still today. These are things that were basically educated on through um, recent research and scientific proof that these things just do not work. Um, so, would would you say they're cruel? Yes, yes, you would. They're punishment, it's a punishment um tactic. Um, so what we in holistic women do is we ignore an undesired behavior and we reward a positive. So, is that how not, you is that how you parent your, your kids as well? Oh, my, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a bit annoying, but that's a very good question, isn't it? I mean, you try your best, but it's a very good point, isn't it? Um I can see where you're coming from. It's a very tough question. Actually, you got me there. (laughs) (laughs) Cut! (laughs) And do you treat your husband like that as well? (laughs) Oh, no, it's not come about, God, I. (laughs) I feel Um, like my favourite word when it comes to my son is, no, no, no. (laughs) But obviously, you don't treat dogs that way. That's true. It's it's so interesting because we do, like, that's that's one question I always think with the whole positive reinforcement thing. It's not that I I disagree with the positive reinforcement, Mm -hmm. but I think it's so interesting to make that comparison between how your kids, you're so much harder on them. Yeah. Like, in general, parents are like, I'm I'm, I'm always telling Theodore, no, get -hmm. off the sofa, stop smearing poo across the wall. I think that, I think the issue is that kids, 
do up till us well obviously to the, when they reach a certain point they do know what's right and what's wrong whereas dogs don't have that logic mm-hmm. so there comes a time where you have to kind of remember that and try and treat it as it is so I think they say that dogs mentality and emotional capacity is like a two to three year old child um and you know and that's why it needs that kind of they need that kind of nurturing and positive reinforcement um they they don't know that they're doing wrong they just react based on you know their emotions so, so w- would you ever raise your voice at a dog would you do like that ah, no or anything like that or you just literally i just ignore you ignore mm-hmm. don't get me wrong actually it's quite hard with your own dogs <laughs> yeah. you see that oh, like you, you could swear that they know what they're doing um and it is i mean we're not perfect and we're going to get frustrated from time to time um but what i try and do is i try and um remind myself that when you feel yourself getting a bit too stressed because dogs well you know stress you out obviously they do you just take a break you just take a two break go and and i'll boil the kettle or something and that's the kind of habit that i've got into i thought um, you were talking like a two-week break in the dominican republic i was like yes i'm with sounds you brilliant uh-huh. if you ever get a bit stressed get yourself on that plane and get yourself to the dominican yeah, republic. i feel yeah, like that with my own kid so have you ever been bitten stephanie by any of these dogs nope never You've never been bitten? Never. Okay. I was almost bitten. I've had this conversation with a certain somebody in the industry. Um, back when I first started, I was almost bitten by a cockapoo. Um, and she, I've got a photo of it on my Facebook page, actually, and I'm not going to take it down. I'm quite ashamed of it, but I'm going to keep it up because it, it proves the point that we all start somewhere and how far you've came as well. So we're all progressing. The, so I had this cockapoo up on a neck noose. Um, I think I had her with a belly strap on and she was clearly, I mean, I didn't know much about behaviour at this point. So I was very new to grooming, um, just came out my training. And um, she was obviously displaying signs of uh, fear. But I, you know, with that mentality, I just kept going, thinking, you know, it's fine, she's on a restraint, she's not going to get to me, whatever. And she was going for it. Um, and I've t- I took a photo because I thought it was funny. So now when you, you put the dryer on, the standing dryer on a dog, and they start going nuts and they start yeah. kind of biting the air, I thought that was hilarious. So I took a photo of it and I put it on Facebook and I said, yeah, just everyday life of a groomer. And, you know, I was nearly bitten that day. Um, however, um, looking back on it now, I, I cringe at it because... If I'd known what I know today, I would have stopped that before it even got to that point, before it even escalated to that point. Um, and it just takes, obviously, that that knowledge behind you to understand what the actual damage is you're doing to a dog. So that dog there um, got so much over her threshold that the only response left was to fight. So they, so what happens is I usually use a cup as an analogy. So you're wanting to keep that cup from filling. So the more the cup fills, the more stressed the dog gets, right? So as the dog stresses, the cup fills and then it overflows. When it overflows, that's basically the dog reacting and survival response. So that would be like a dog biting or a dog trying to flee off the table. They're that frightened that they're basically wanting to react to get away from the stimulus, right? So whether it's the dragger or the clippers or whatever it is, it's frightened. They're frightened off. Um, your job is to kind of pick up on the signals. So there's things that they'll do. For example, they'll yawn. 
um, the lip lick, so they lick their nose, um, the paw lift, which a lot of people think is quite cute. Oh, look at that wee paw lift that they're doing. Um, paw lift, um, they'll be panting excessively. Uh, they'll do wheel eye, which a lot of people think are cute as well. Like the kind What's of, that? when they see the kind of whites of the eyes. Or uh, if they avert their just gaze. For anybody who can't see me, I'm doing wheel eye right now. Ah, uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> very big, very big frightened eyes. So these are all signals that we should be taught to recognise as groomers, um, and that's our signals that the dogs are giving off to tell to tell us basically that they're not happy, they're not comfortable, and that's when I would be putting the dog off the table to give them a break before putting them back on again. But if if you ignore these signals, then they go into their survival response, which is fight, flight, flee. I've got a couple of questions that have come to mind. So do you use a blaster? So, yeah, well, I have a blaster um, and sometimes I do use them if the dog is fine with it. So I've got a dog that comes in, a Labradoodle, who's absolutely fine with it. And she'll stand in fact, I think I've got a video on my Facebook or just standing freely on the, the table, just getting blow dried. Okay. Um, but some dogs are really, really reactive to that. So obviously then you have to kind of you know use your sand and dryer or your I've, I've recently invested in a dyson which is amazing so they're quite um quiet don't know if you okay. have, no, like so so if you're not drying how are you yeah. doing this in one and a half hours if you're not drying with a blaster so you're using a dyson hair dryer so oh dyson dyson hair dryers are quite um are quite strong Powerful. yeah okay. yeah they're quite good um but that and the sand and dryer i'd be using Okay. No cage dryer. Would you ever use a cage dryer? No, because no. again, you're you're restricting that dog from choice. Really, you're not that dog. If that dog's getting too anxious, he can't escape. So the fear is just going to escalate. I mean, I've never used one. Yeah, uh, I've never seen one uh, in use either. Um, I've got, a, I've got one. I've got one. My and old I've... English loves it. Yeah. yeah, I do have sense. dogs that don't like it, but every yeah. time my dog, will, my dog's not great at getting groomed in general. Um, mm -hmm. She's got arthritis in her knees, so she doesn't like standing for too long. So I literally now I just she just gets a full shave off now. She doesn't have anything pretty. Cause she's got old now, but um, mm -hmm. she used she jumps straight off off the table and runs straight into the dryer. You can have the dryer dry door open, and she will literally just sit in there. And old English is freaking love that thing <laughs> yeah yeah my um uh, one of our clients um was nudging with his nose to open it every time we shut it shut it he used to open it with his nose and sit yeah. in it and we'd be like no you're done and we'd take him out and he would open it again with his nose and go back yeah. in I think um, it's important to if you can if you can confidently read a dog and you know that that dog's comfortable then I don't see the harm in it as long as you're obviously monitoring it and things but um yeah it's not something that I would use but then I, I don't I don't have any experience using them either yeah so. and would you say that you could only be a holistic dog groomer if you groom one-to-one -one, or could you groom in a multi-dog salon no I think the beauty of holistic grooming is just doing what you can um, and even small changes can make a big difference so when I'm talking about holistic grooming, I'm also talking, I've said it before, I think a few times now, it's about our own energy as well. So we're, we're thinking about the energy that we're portraying onto the dog as well. That That's holistic. 
Um, so, you know, giving yourself time to, to really meditate. And I know that's all kind of airy fairy for a lot of people. I meditate. But, I, meditate. I mean, I, I love meditating and I, I love Reiki and I love all that kind of stuff. So that's all holistic too. So we can still do all that in a multi-grooming establishment. Obviously, ideal world, it's one-to-one because it's a lot easier to work with a dog with behavioral issues when it's one-to-one because there's yeah. nothing else going on in the background. Yeah, I would worry about not having a dog with any restraint on the table in a multi-dog salon because oh, there's uh-huh. so yeah. many distractions yeah. yeah i agree with that yeah mm-hmm. i think yeah, so do, you, do you find then that if you go in i mean we especially with mental health we all know mm-hmm. that all three of us here have suffered or are suffering with it and if we all still have bad days whether we've got over it or whether we, we haven't when you're having one of those bad days and you're at work do you mm-hmm. find that the dogs really pick up on that yeah and we, we, we kind of we're all guilty of it as well that like you said you said that at the beginning actually that as it, it's interesting do people get into this industry to kind of lean on dogs and I think a lot of the time I think that is the case um, and we forget that we are offloading that emotional baggage and the dogs are so receptive to that energy um, in behavior terms they call it mirroring so they know that dogs can mirror our feelings um, but what's more interesting is um, I used to live next door to uh, a man called Hugh Gilbert, who pioneered a thing called kinetic chain release. It's a holistic therapy for humans, but he also treated animals. And what he observed, um, he used to work with um, jockeys and horses. And a disco what, jockey? No, or, not uh... the dis- no, the horsey <laughs> jockey. <laughs> and um, what he observed, one of, um, and he was telling, in fact, it was his wife that was telling me, he's now passed on. Um, he observed that um, injuries on horses, um, in one particular case, there was an injury to a horse's leg and the, the horse had been, had, had been you know, seen sorry, by a vet and they couldn't determine what was wrong with this horse's leg. And when he treated uh, the, the horse's jock or whatever the guy's called, the rider or whatever, um, the horse's pain went away. But it shows that you know, not just emotional baggage, but potentially physical damage as well. So when we are strained, a dog can pick up on that. And it's the same with when we're walking on leashes and things. Our tension travels down on the leash. So Ah, actually, how do you walk your dogs? Are they on a lead? Are they on a harness? Are they loose? No, I don't want my dogs off leash. I've got Tibetan Mastiffs. (laughs) Bad ownership. Um, No, they're on harnesses. Um, They used to be on a figure of eight before I knew anything about behavior. Like I said, I mean, I'm not perfect. Um, Figure eight is kind of around the muzzle and at the back of the head. But what happened was, um, and in fact, I had an appointment with the herbal vets in Scotland today with one of my Tibetan masters. And when she was feeling around the back end of her head, and there was a blockage between her ear and her jaw. And it was a big kind of hard lump. And she asked me, you know, like, what do you obviously use on her like daily? It says a harness now, but with a figure of eight lead. And she actually said to me, it's been the pressure of that figure of eight lead that's caused that blockage um, in the back of her head there. So they've managed to release it and they've gave her acupuncture and stuff. So hopefully that will help. But yeah. So it's, it's good to, to kind of keep that in mind as well. Obviously, good training as well, because there are people that walk dogs in, on their collars, but if they can walk good and they're trained well, then that's fine. Yeah. So just to, just to play devil's advocate a bit, is it not removing your dog's choices by putting them on a harness and restricting where they're going on their walks? How do you mean? So you a lot of your grooming techniques is kind of allowing that dog to 
um, have freedom of choice in yep. what's happening. Yeah. But on your dog walk, you're uh-huh. taking your dog on that harness and leaving oh, and it walking with them. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of so in terms of your quality of walks as well you let the dog explore so I, I tend to let my dogs take me where they want to go unless it's the middle of the road in which case yeah I'm, I'm guiding them <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't do that <laughs> so you're telling me Steph your dogs walk you not you walk the dog <laughs> I, I, I sometimes they're big no I'll take them to the park they know where they're going anyways um, and they enjoy going to the park and things like that but when we get to the park they're allowed to explore wherever they want to go and I'm there to just let them sniff because we know that sniffing really good mental stimulation for dogs so I mean as long as you're giving them you know a very well stimulated walk then they're, they're that's not forced they're enjoying it um if you're constantly yanking on them and things which I don't do I mean you're always going to have to try and walk with a kind of loose l-shaped line um but I mean you're not yanking them and things like that and I think it's I think you get put in a, like a no-win situation when you're a holistic groomer because it's it you you put on that position where people go so you don't walk your dogs on a lead then and then <laughs> yeah. you go well yeah I do okay then so or yeah, if you don't walk your dog on a lead yeah you're just at the end of the day I never said that I don't use restraints yeah 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 so yeah. at the end of the day it's it's how we use them and if mm-hmm. we're using them safely mm-hmm. and we're you know and we're introducing them right so I never straight away put a harness on my dog nor mm-hmm. did I, nor would I ever dream of putting a figure eight lead on my dog I first introduced them to it um, so you have to you have to kind of think about your approach to things more. That's all. That's all. Well, it's been, no, it's been so interesting learning. Very, um, very. Like, we hear it back, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> no, no, time has totally got away from us. Me and so if you're asking all these questions, and it's nice to be able to. The thing that I really love about you is, like you said, you you've popped up that that picture of that cockapoo, and you, you you're not pretending that you've ever been perfect or even are perfect, that there's always no. things to learn exactly. and that everybody can start somewhere. And like you said, you're ashamed of it then, but we all start somewhere and mm-hmm. there'll be things that maybe as I did when I first started that I wouldn't do now in lots of yeah. different ways. And same with Sophie and probably every single groomer out there. Yeah. Um, it's more about sort of picking up and listening to the information and choosing where you want to go with it to progress your education so you're writing a course for holistic groomers yeah I'm writing a course at the moment for holistic grooming which is exciting Um, I'm hoping to launch it in January time so and where would people be able to find that on my website so via the group I'll be announcing it probably there first of all Um, and I'm writing a book at the moment so I've signed with a, a a company called Authors and Co. Um, so the book's going to just be a wee educational taster as to what it is that holistic grooming is, and hopefully unify the divide that seems to have happened um, in our industry because it's 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 you know it's always coming from a place of compassion. At the end of the day, we're not trying to divide them in for goodness sake. You know, we're all in it for the love of dogs, so or surely we we should be anyways. Um, but surely we want to kind of evolve with the times, and that's basically what it is. Oh, well, brilliant. brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Stephanie. I've no, learned thank you for having me. I've thank you guys. If you haven't um, read the article, get, get along to that Whippet Media website and have a look. And the article is called, Stephanie, what's it called? An Industry <laughs> Divided. An and Industry Divided, yes. Thank and that's you. <laughs> all about holistic dog grooming written by Stephanie there. And hopefully we'll hear a lot more from you on the website. You write us a few more articles and we can get that knowledge out there to people and hopefully educate a lot more people. <sighs> 
So we'll be popping up Holistic Grooming for Groomers on Whip It Out Facebook group so that if anybody wants to learn any more, they want to find out about Stephanie's book or the course, then you can join that group there. So we have got a few announcements, Sophie. Yeah, so we've got Groomers Unlocked next week. Um, so make sure you get your last minute tickets to definitely come along. It's a four-day event. We're having a quiz on uh, next Thursday. On Friday, we've got speakers starting and um, Saturday and Sunday, full speakers. And you can watch it back. Um, so the biggest question is, can I watch it later? Yes, no problem. And this is only, how much is it, Nick? It's 45, 45 quid. 45 quid and it's got groomers from all different countries around the world so absolute bargain you get 16 16 webinars 16 full webinars uh, from a great group of people so i'm going to announce the names now so we've got yitka krizova we've got sophie bell we have alvin zhang we have may wong roy tan natalie huligard kinga gubala plinio ikasati jay batista Michael Hesse, Chu Shen Te, Angela Anderson, Danelle German, Jess Rona, Biagio Salomare, and Jenny Zah. So Long well done, Nick. <laughs> well done, Nick, because there's some there's some definitely harder ones to pronounce there. So don't envy you there, Nick. Well done. Thank you. We have everything from we've got Sophie the Vet. We have some Bichon grooming going on. We have Westie grooming. It literally covers the majority of uh, things. Got lots and lots of teddy bear and Asian grooming as well. So if you haven't already bought a ticket, make sure you get over to the Whip It Facebook page and there will be links on there for Eventbrite so for you to buy your ticket for next week. Don't miss out on that one. Brilliant. So thank you, Stephanie Zickman. It was lovely, lovely to meet you and your disco jockey pass i've learned a lot <laughs> so we want to know what you think what do you think about holistic grooming are you for are you against do you want to learn more we're going to pop up a poll on the facebook group and see what you think we want to hear lots of comments so next week we want to know your grooming mishaps what's happened what's gone wrong and how you overcome them we are all human we all have mistakes that have happened and the whole thing is we want to come together as a community and talk about those mistakes and learn from each other's mistakes. So bring them to us. 30 down the back. We've all done that. Guard phone slipped off 30 down the back. Things like that. Stephanie, have you done that? What's that? Have you clipped a dog and the comb guard falling oh, off? Oh, no, no. But I've, I've, I have accidentally clipped a dog with 30 without a comb guard on from the start. So <laughs> <laughs> There we go. We're all human. All Wasn't human. Uh-huh. <laughs> we did speak a little bit last week about um worst excuses people have heard for matted dogs um and we wanted to know about if anybody has partners or anybody who used to do other jobs what their worst excuses that they've had so, so please let us know because last week we talked about a guy falling into the hoover and that guy was nicole's dad uh, so he his certain part fell into a hoover apparently and someone else landed on a cucumber so we want to know your very awkward hilarious stories from your partners get them involved get them talk. we always want to giggle 
<laughs> so thank you everyone for joining us for episode 10 thank you to stephanie zickman for joining us and we will see you all next week when we are going to be releasing the podcast a day early we're going to be announced uh, we're going to be releasing it on thursday because obviously ryan and i will be terribly terribly busy with groomers unlocked international i'm hopefully fingers crossed flying over to ireland um, if I'm allowed, if there's no measures in place, but you never know. So we'll be releasing Whip It Out next next Thursday at about 12 o'clock. So come and join us then. But for now, Whip It Out. Whip It Out.